Hello, friends. This is the Neatarts Friends Church podcast. We are Jesus people, kingdom of God people, welcoming, yearning, sharing. And we're glad you're connecting here with us. We'd love to connect in person as well. If you're inclined to support this podcast or for more information, just hop on over to neatartsfriends.org. That's neatartsfriends.org. Let's jump into today's sermon. If you missed the introduction to our series on faith and doubt two weeks ago, there's an online version of it on our church website, and I would highly encourage you to watch that before you jump into this one because it will greatly help you track with the rest of this series. Before we begin this series, I asked the Neatarts French Church family two questions. I asked, what are some of the things that have rocked your faith the most, caused you to feel jaded, uncertain, skeptical, or done? And I asked, you to name times when you felt the deepest connection to God and others. And you all answered honestly and vulnerably. Now, I didn't know what I would find when I looked at all of your answers. But when I first discovered what I'm about to show you today it really did feel somehow profound to me. It felt like seeing the invisible hand of God. The psalmist says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger because you are with me. Your rod protects me and your staff guides me. And I felt like I could see that in some way on a grand scale. Now, I wouldn't call what I'm about to present to you a sermon or a teaching. I'd call it more of a discovery. And you could probably make too much of what I'm about to share with you, but you could also probably make too little of it. And I think it is important. So, let me offer you an image to help you understand what I discovered. You remember how we said two weeks ago that the ground on planet Earth is always shifting and moving. The tectonic plates are shifting. Small earthquakes are happening everywhere all the time. Uh, And all this movement creates mountains and volcanoes and a carbon cycle and it ultimately supports life. And Remember how we said that our faith and doubt are not opposites, but that they coexist? They play this very important role in our spiritual journey. Well, just for fun, let's compare our faith and doubts to a mountain, say Mount Hood. And just so that we can track, let's just go ahead and rename it Mount faith and doubt. Okay, so exploring faith and doubt, there are at least two different ways to explore 
Mount Hood, Mount Faith and Doubt. One way to explore and experience a mountain like this is to get out and just walk. And of course, the upside is that you can see exactly what this particular tree looks like. These ferns, this mushroom, these birds. And that's the upside. But there are places where the trees are so tall and the undergrowth is so thick and the ravines are so deep that you can't see your way out. Sometimes the country bends and turns in ways that are dis disorienting. And so you can end up miles away from where you thought you were. And when the ravine that you find yourself in feels like the darkest of valleys and you aren't sure where you are on the mountain, it's normal to start trying to scramble up out of the ravine. But if you don't know where you are, and if you don't have a map, you might not realize that all of your efforts to scramble up out of a ravine might be pointed in the wrong direction. And we do something similar in life. We come up with a bunch of doubts, and they feel like a dark valley. And we want to scramble out, but we become disoriented. And we end up spending all of our energy trying to scramble out at the wrong place. And what we really need is an invisible hand reaching out and guiding us so that we don't waste all of our energy trying to scramble up the wrong side of the ravine. So that's one way to experience a mountain like Mount Faith and Doubt, Mount Hood. Another way to experience a mountain like this is to get in an airplane and fly around the thing, even fly right over the top of it. You can't really focus in on one tree, one flower, one bird, but there are things that you couldn't see any other way. You can see the contour of the land. You can see how it comes together. You can see where the best navigation routes might be. And a guide who has flown over the land and mapped it knows where the ravines and the twists and the turns are. They know the good routes out of the ravines. And they're able to help someone who's trying to scramble up the wrong side of a ravine because they've seen it from above. So they can reach out in the darkness and keep you from floundering. Today, we are flying an airplane over the top of our faith and doubts. And I'm sorry that I can't give you a topographical map of our faith and doubts, but my next best option is a pie chart. That's what we're going to be using. And for those of you who don't like pie charts, I apologize. But 
please hang with me because it's the only way to see what I'm about to show you. We are mapping what has made us feel connected to God and disconnected from God. Now, two weeks ago, I shared the doubts of the Neatarts Friends Church family. And so we looked at about 90 different vulnerable, honest answers to this question. What are the things that have rocked your faith the most? Caused you to feel jaded, uncertain, skeptical, or done? And I looked at all of those answers, and all of those doubts can be distilled down to five common themes. The, the most common theme that has rocked our faith the most could be said in this way. Sometimes Christians are jerks. 36%, that's the highest amount of the things that rock our faith, is that Christians can be mean. It's infighting and demanding uniform thinking. I've got it right, and you have to think like me. Exclusion and politics, 36%. 24% can be distilled down to bad things happen. Uh, family stuff, personal experiences, tragedies and injustice. It's questions like, okay, so if God is good, then why do bad things happen? 24%. Another 24% of the things that rock our faith the most can be boiled down to questions about the Bible and science and the Bible and science in relationship. So it's evolution in the creation narrative questions and archaeology and history questions and questions of biblical interpretation. That's 24% of what rocks our faith. The next most common 14% of what rocks our faith, it's boiled down to this question, where is God? So it's this experience where God just isn't showing up in the way that we want or expect, and things aren't getting any better, they're getting worse, and we are just frustrated with our life experience, with our spiritual experience, where is God? Lastly, what rocks our faith, 8%, it's this question, am I lovable? We're not just wondering if God is good. We aren't sure that we are good or good enough. And we don't know if we want to try being good enough, whatever that means, we are not sure if we are lovable. And so these are the five common things that have rocked our faith the most. So there's your fly overview of the things that have shaken the faith of our church family and 
this is half of our map, Mount Faith and Doubt. That's half the map right there. Okay, so in our gathering, we did a little stand up, uh, shake your arms, swing your arms, stretch. So if you're somewhere where you can, I'd invite you to do that because the next part uh, might be a little long. Okay, so we're going to put the pie chart on pause for a moment. We will come back to it. But the other half of the map comes from your answers to the question, name times when you felt the deepest connection to God and others. And so I want to share all of those answers. Here they are. Times when you felt the deepest connection to God and others. In nature, serving is so key to me. Very deepest is away from home with the team, but serving at home even by myself. I sense his smile brightening my day, like yesterday, Saturday. Birth of a child. On service trips with others. Cross-cultural experiences. Deepest connection to God often comes when I'm outside and paying attention to the small stuff. Rocks, clouds, plants, fields, flowers, water, sunshine, rain, rainbows, insects, and people. Open to others when fully listening to their stories and opening to God with us and with them. Opening to God's love for me and God's love for them. Opening to God helping me and God helping them, the withness of God. During our wedding ceremony, God brought us together, connected to others by this love and support of our marriage. Times when you felt the most connected to God, when I've had the joyful experience of sharing deep conversations with and learning from people who I was previously biased against or had pegged in a corner, a time when I was full of anxiety and God changed my life profoundly through his grace and love. All the time, I haven't, ever. Hearing my church family speak beautiful words, vulnerable words, and loving words free from hate, fear, or judgment. When I was okay with me. When times were stressful and real, working side by side at MDS, out of my element, uncomfortable, alone, walking with the waves, when I'm laughing my head off with others who I'm building great relationships with despite our differences, shootings, I lost two friends, shot dead, in reconciliation, forgiveness, and loving my enemies, times when you felt the most connection to God and others, mission trips, when my mom reads to me, sitting across from others listening and being taken with how deeply God loves them despite their many imperfections, when I felt secure in him, even though our plane was six seconds from crashing into the ice, or when the side of the boat had broken loose from the frame as we were crossing a lake. Running at sunrise, beauty in nature surrounding me, 
pushing myself to keep going even when it hurts, God speaks to me in those moments. When I was given love from another's light and heart. The definition of Israel. During 25 years of ministry with the Groveland Church, not saying it was true that the connection was actually any deeper, but I felt that connection was deeper. The truest deep connection probably happened after that, during my 15 years of wilderness wandering after the ministry. Joyfully using my gifts and abilities to serve others. Amazing sunrises and sunsets he has given us. When I am listening to someone talk, really listening to hear what they are saying. Family connection. In times of desperation, walking on the beach, close to God, going to Australia, connecting with scripture. When in fellowship, ACLU, Washington, D.C., with grandson. Loss of job. Playing piano for a gathering. Happy camp crossing. Going out with friends for lunch or dinner. Making time to connect away from a busy life. Breathing and checking in with each other. Nurturing and encouraging. Sister and cousin texting. When God first opened my eyes to the fact that something tragic had been done to me, not something I had done, this was the beginning of a lifelong and ongoing life change, and for the first time I knew that God loved me. Working in nature. Snuggles from my kids. Deepest connections to others comes by spending time together, doing all kinds of things, including talking or being perfectly quiet. Loss of loved ones. In nature, especially alone, in peace and quiet. When I feel at my lowest. When do you feel the deepest connection to God? Youth camp. Joy of children at play. Struggles in personal life. Bird song at any time. When I'm experiencing something phenomenal in nature, in groups with others. Mother's love of her newborn, animal and human. When I was broken and people came and surrounded me with love and support, when I can be and do this for others. When do you feel the deepest connection to God? Rain falling on dry earth. Meditation, memorization of scripture passages. When our family is together. Here in this church. Neatart's Easter Sunday. Times of darkness and despair. My loved one's hospital visit. People stopped to help outside my comfort zone. Had to rely on others. Forced to. A dog's love of his master. When I was filled with light. After big transitions, 
switching churches, graduating college, moving to Tillamook, worship services, and worship music, sun rising over one's town, choosing to marry a man I really didn't know. When do you feel the deepest connection to God? After going through something hard together, a fight, a loss, disappointment, singing worship songs with others, knowing he is the creator. During summers, when I worked at summer camps, teaching kids about God's love for them, I felt deeply connected to God and to those I was serving and serving alongside. Church members singing together. Night flight high school encounter. The birth of my children. After overcoming challenges, usually sometime after, not always right away. Long car drives alone with prayer or worship. Went out in open places of wild wonder and awe and off the clock where space can be experienced inwardly as well as outwardly. When I know fully that God has the answer, the Lord's Prayer, gathered community around, prayer from one another, particularly when we are in the midst of suffering. In the dark morning, praying to God. When doing breath prayers, Slowly, simple, restfully, and letting the words go away, and breathing and being with God's presence in quiet. Vietnam, alone with God. How do I explain this? When God is talking to me, and I can feel and sense that I'm in the middle of his will, when do you feel the most connected to God? Maine, not Massachusetts. A child brought a stunned hummingbird to me that hit a window pane. With such a sad look, she cupped it in her hands to keep it warm. Her face gave off looks of concern and hope, soon turning to absolute joy as the bird showed signs of life and flew from her small hands. When with the closest times with family, happy and sad, beautiful and ugly. When the spirit uses a poem, prose, or written prayer to express a word or give me a word that opens up places in my heart that were previously closed. In learning to face my own darkness and grow during worship, times of despair, in times of friends' need, any worship, in deepest sadness, in prayer, when have you felt the closest to God and others? When I receive a poem, after achieving a big goal, death of a family member, when I had a vision of the white light, in joyful answers to long-awaited questions, when I was wrestling with other Quakers who no longer believed in scripture. When God spoke healing words to my heart in a clearer way than ever before, after I experienced loss and betrayal. 
spontaneous encounters, healing of memories, when God spoke a healing word in imaginative prayer that unblocked what years and years of pain had locked up inside of me, I was finally able to cry for myself. In times of joy, summer, Pikachu, Roblox. In the early morning, alone in a dark room praying, I've had three experiences that brought me close to God. When sitting with and listening to the pain of others. In my early walk, shortly after I committed my life to God, I felt very connected to God and to my faith community. When saying goodbye, transitioning out of a stage in life. When the Spirit uses scripture to speak something deeper to my heart than words can say, not just the literal reading sharing meals with others, and that is when we all have felt the most connected, the deepest connection with God and others. So I invite you to just breathe, take it in. That was a lot. This is the faith experience. This is the spiritual experience of your church family. The very same people who wrote all those doubts that we looked at two Sundays ago also wrote all of these words out of their own heart, out of their own experience. This is how God has come to your church family. Now, for some people, Hearing all of these God moments, God connections, could feel beautiful and encouraging and uplifting. But for others, it could feel alienating and isolating. What if you don't experience God the way that most other people do? What if hearing these just makes you feel like something is wrong with you? because you don't relate to these kinds of experiences. There isn't a right or a wrong response. It, it just is. So I want to reflect on this before we move on simply with a question. And we chatted about this in our gathering, so I'd invite you to reflect on this. How does hearing all of these God connections affect your body? Where do you feel it, positively or negatively? Does it feel like your lungs can expand? Does it feel like your, your back muscles release? Does it feel warm? Or does it feel like a, a tight, scratchy throat? Does it feel like a pit in your stomach? Does it feel like a swirling mind? Does it feel heavy? So no judgment, and we're not, we're not judging the way that people answered. Just connect with how this is for you. How does it feel to hear all of these God experiences that your church family has had?
Okay, we are going to get back to the pie charts. So we're going to zoom out and we are going to map all of these God connections that we just looked at. So we experience, I boiled all of these answers down to some themes and I want to share them with you. We experience the most connection to God out of all of the things, 24% comes through relationships. That includes relationships with community, with church, with family. Not far behind, 21% of our God connections are experienced in the midst of pain and suffering, tragedy, loss, hardship. Are you catching this? The second most common experience of connection with God and others happens in the midst of some of the hardest things in life. The second most common. Next, 20% of our deepest connections with God happen through spiritual practices. Prayer, Meditation, intentional breathing, music, worship, practices of joy, gratitude. Um, note that Bible reading is going to be its own separate category. Next, 14% of our deepest connections with God and others happen in nature. Spending time outdoors. Next, 7% of our deepest connections with God happen through serving others. It's cross-cultural experiences. It's when we're out of our element. It's when we're engaging others who are in need. 5% of our deepest connections with God happen through surprise encounters. Uh, epiphanies, receiving light, receiving words. Next, 4% of our deepest connections with God happen as we go through mile markers and big life transitions. 3% of our deepest connection to God and others comes through reading the Bible meditating on it, memorizing it, and metaphorical readings. And finally, 2% of our deepest connection to God and others comes through ideas and concepts. So there's the overall map of the times that we, our church family, has felt the most connected to God and others. Now, I really hope that you are hanging with me because this is the discovery I've been waiting and wanting to show you. It is what do we see when we put our two maps on top of each other, or in this case, side by side. See, we all have ideas about the way out or the way through 
our darkest valleys of doubt. Or in this case, I've got the word disconnection. So we all think we know the way out. But the truth is, we might be scrambling up the wrong side of the ravine. So what do we see when we stop trying to navigate, stop trying to find our own way out of our doubts, and if we zoom out and simply look at how God is actually coming to us, what do we see? What if we work with the assumption that these results that we're finding in this questionnaire that I gave you actually show the way that God comes to us in our doubts? What we really need is an invisible hand that reaches out to guide us so we don't waste all our energy trying to scramble up the wrong side of the ravine. And what if that's what we're seeing here? What if we're seeing how God comes to us and guides us and nudges us onward in our journey through our doubts? So here we go. It's discovery time. So <clears throat> looking at connection and disconnection or faith and doubts, 36%. See the blue? I, I took those two sections and I kind of highlighted them. 36% of our disconnection is that Christians can be jerks. And 24% of our connection with God, this is the highest amount on both categories, we experience God in relationships. So can you see here how much love matters? Can you see the way that faith lives or dies based on how we experience love from others? The way we experience God is determined by the way we experience one another. The Apostle John says, no one has seen God, but when we love one another, God lives in us. And he's writing those words to at least two generations worth of people who were born after Jesus ascended. People who, they're just like you and I. They haven't seen Jesus in the flesh. And so John is saying, when God's love is mimicked, then people see God. And if God's love isn't mimicked, faith deteriorates, community deteriorates. And our, our results actually show that same thing. So I'll give you a moment just to take that in. Next, our second highest category of disconnection is bad things happen. It's 24%. Now, if you look at where that falls on the other chart, the next category, 21% of our connection to God is that God is present in pain and hardship. God is the most real, the most near. When people get stuck in that deep ravine of bad things happen, they often try to scramble out at one of two places. They maybe try to wrestle with ideas and concepts like how can a good God let bad things happen? Or they just try to pray their way out of it like God make it stop, God make it stop. But if you look at how the unseen hand of God actually comes to us, 
if you look at where that's at on the chart, it's the very same valleys that cause us to wonder if there is a God at all, if we've been forsaken and forgotten. Those are also the places where we experience an intimacy with God that's unlike any other experience. Next, if you move on, the next place of disconnection is Bible and science questions, 18%. And if you look at where that falls on the chart on the left and compare it to the chart on the right, you would think that the place to scramble up out of the ravine of Bible and science questions would be at the place of like Bible reading or ideas and concepts like empiricism. Plenty of people fall prey to empiricism. Their faith lives or dies based on this idea that the only way you can know something is if you can prove it. So measure it in a test tube or look for it in a microscope. And so a lot of people act like there's no such thing as a unseen reality. So when what they find in their microscope doesn't line up with their understanding of the Bible, their house of cards falls. Their faith falls apart. But notice how God comes to people here in this place of doubt. God comes by way of spiritual practices of prayer and gratitude. That's 20% of it. And times spent connecting with God in nature. That's that 14%. God gives people experiences in prayer that cannot be measured, but they can't just wipe them away, explain them away. And God lets people connect through beauty. Look at the next area of connection, disconnection, and connection. So people's faith gets rocked by this question, where's God? 14%. And people in the bottom of this ravine are just sick and tired of waiting for their prayers to get answered. They are frustrated with waiting for the world to change and life to get better. And look at how God meets people in that place on the map. God meets us in that place. Where's God? Through cross-cultural experiences, serving others, engaging people who think different, look different, smell different, live different. It's like we want God to change something, and so God invites us to get outside of ourselves and get involved in changing things for someone else. But God doesn't leave us there because God meets us in the Where's God Valley. He meets us through surprises as well. That's 5%. So it's not the answers we were expecting, but we do happen to experience a word, a poem, light, a new meaning, some kind of a surprise. Next, the final ravine, the final doubt. We can't find our way out of that ravine, am I lovable? 
Am I good enough? Am I worthy? Am I doing enough? And the sides of this ravine are often so steep that it just doesn't matter how much you scramble. You just slide back down to the bottom. But there is a way out. And the flyover view shows it. Looking back, if you look at that other side, looking back at how God has loved you through the major mile markers and the big life transitions and celebrating your accomplishments, you begin to see, I am lovable. God has been loving me. And then through meditative, metaphorical Bible reading and Bible memorization, as you listen deeply to scripture, the Bible speaks, you are lovable, you are loved. And finally, this is where God actually uses ideas and concepts, is with this question, am I lovable? This is where God reaches out to us beyond our feelings. When we're feeling like, I am not lovable, God gives us an idea and a concept, something concrete beyond a feeling to hold on to, whether we're feeling lovable or not. Okay, so that is our flyover tour of Mount Faith and Doubt. And I want to somehow try to land this airplane and just give you some time to debrief, to reflect. I mean, if you're with someone, you're going to debrief. Otherwise, you're just going to reflect. We all have these ideas about the way out of our darkest valleys of doubt. But what we really need is an invisible hand to reach out and guide us so that we don't waste all our energy trying to scramble up at the wrong place. And so my hope is that in taking this flyover view, you can somehow see the invisible hand of God coming to you in a fresh way. So I'll invite you to end where we ended our gathering on Sunday. And that was in discussion. Two discussion questions, which I'll offer to you as reflection questions. What stands out to you about this flyover tour of Mount Faith and Doubt? And does this flyover view change anything for you? What might that be?
Thank you for joining us for a Sunday sermon from Neatart's Friends Church. We hope you'll join us soon for one of our in-person worship gatherings. For more information, hop on over to neatartsfriends.org. God's peace be with you, friends.